Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for being listeners of Web3 with me. I want to take a few seconds to tell you about my exciting new B2B offering. It is the mission here to educate. I sincerely believe Web3 can make the world better for more people. Businesses shouldn't be left out, though, so I've launched The Web3 Coach. It's a bespoke education experience designed to help your team understand how Web3 affects your particular industry or company and identify opportunities unique to Web3. Whether you have a law or accounting firm with a growing number of clients participating in Web3 through crypto and NFTs, or you're a real estate syndicate looking for different ways to raise money, or teams just of fast-growing Web3 companies who want to understand your customers and your new teammates, I make sure you can talk the talk and leave feeling more confident about this crazy new world. Please take a minute to check out my website at theweb3coach.xyz. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. My guest today is a friend and Catan adversary, Gavin Shapiro, known as Shapiro 500 in the verse. He's a digital artist who simply desires to make you smile through his beautiful work with penguins and flamingos. In this episode, we discuss how Beeple and living in Japan greatly influenced his work and also break down animation by its various parts. Gavin is the true embodiment of the Web3 ethos I so desperately try to convey in this show. Hope you enjoy and listen closely. LFG, baby. Let's start vibing. Awesome. Gavin, welcome to the show, man. What's up? How's it going? Oh, it's good, man. This has been a, a long time coming. I'm super excited to have you here. It has been. Likewise, I'm happy to be on. <laughs> cool, dude. Well, I always like to start by uh, introducing you to the audience to hear a little bit more about, about your founding story and what okay. makes Gavin Gavin. So could you share that with us? Founding story. Oh, where do I begin? Let's see. Um, I would say, so I started as a motion designer. I, um, I got my first motion design gig. It was through The Onion. You know, um, The Onion, like the comedy newspaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got a, I did an internship with them in like 2009 doing uh, motion graphics and um, compositing for their web, their web series, for their web videos. And then that sort of turned into a full-time thing. Uh, so I was working on their TV shows for a few years doing motion graphics and uh, we had like a um, like a sports show and like a news show, so we had to make all the the graphic design and the animations for for those and make them feel like real shows. Um, so I did that for a few years, and then that sort of turned into um, it's like a freelance career for about a decade. Um, just did various freelance stuff at studios. Uh, I lived in Japan for a few years. I freelanced over there. Um, actually, no, I wasn't freelance. I was uh, well. Let's see. The first year I was freelancing, I was doing uh, like work from home stuff for American clients. And then the second year, I was working at a company that makes um, graphics for pachinko games, which are like 
their casino gambling machines. So oh, yeah. that was the work I could find there. Um, so I was doing that uh, for about a year. And then I came home, did more studio work for a few years. And then um, I started working full-time at, a, at an ad agency called RGA. I was doing motion design for them. And then uh, while I was there, I started getting introduced to the NFT world um, in mid-2020, I think, uh, was when I first uh, I got invited to Nifty Gateway back when, like, there was no one on the platform. You know, they were still looking for artists and stuff. Um, so I started doing a, a drop with them every few months, and it was really fun. And then eventually it turned into, um, you know, something where I could support myself with just that without the, the agency job. So I left, and then I've been doing NFT stuff full-time since then. Dang. That's, that's awesome. Of, yeah, that's sort of my path, I guess. <laughs> The Onion. I wonder if we'll be able to dig up any of your old work from The Onion. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, you know, it's all on YouTube and stuff, and it, it's probably still on The Onion website. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of old work that that I was a part of on there. Yeah, that was one of my, my favorite gigs uh, that I ever did. When did you start going by Shapiro 5000? Um, Shapiro 500. 500, 500. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but, uh, um, I, think, I think that was just like my Instagram handle. And I think before that it was like my AOL instant messenger handle. Yes. That's way <laughs> less embarrassing than mine. Big yeah, oh, Bala 721. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> I feel like I had embarrassing ones too. Um, oh, I wish I could remember them. They were all like, you know, they had like iMac in the name and stuff. And they were really nerdy and weird. <laughs> no, but on I, women. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, um, I think that start is just my, my screen name for a while it just kind of kind of like rolls off the tongue it's just like shapiro 500 you know it's uh, <laughs> just an easy number to remember i guess um so yeah i started uh my instagram account as shapiro 500 just because it was a, a handle i used and um then that kind of evolved into my um you know the the place where i show all my my work my personal work um and i just i just stuck with it you know i built a following there and it just kind of emerged from that so yeah just sort of kept it so in terms of socials, you were building a following on Insta before yeah, Twitter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I was doing Instagram for a few years um, before I started doing any NFT stuff. And I wasn't on Twitter at all. Like, I didn't understand it. I thought it was a waste of time. And I didn't see why people used it. And, you know, and then when I got on Super Rare, they told me, they're like, do you have a Twitter handle? I'm like, no. Nah. They're like, you should really get a Twitter if you can get a face. <laughs> I'm like, do I have to? Or can I just like be in your Discord? They're like, no. Like, that's kind of where the whole community is. That's where everyone like talks to each other. So, um, yeah. No, I got a, I got a Twitter. And then, and now just recently, my Twitter followers have surpassed my Instagram followers. Wow. Uh, which is weird because, you know, I had the Instagram for years before. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. It seems like, at least in, in talking to people, it might be easier to build a following up on Instagram. Hmm. But the Twitter following, the numbers, just in terms of comparison, yeah. tend to be smaller. So the fact that you've surpassed Instagram with yeah. your Twitter, I think, shows a lot of traction, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, now I totally get Twitter. It's just like a huge conversation, basically. You know, which took me a while to get like Instagram is more like a gallery page, you know, and you go to the Instagram gallery and there's all your stuff. And then yeah. Twitter is like, if you post something like three days later, no one's going to see it ever again. <laughs> you know, it just disappears. Um, but 
understanding that I think helped me build a following on, on Twitter. Cause it's like, now I sort of post as if I'm having a conversation, you know, and like every now and then I'll repost my old work. Cause it's like the people who joined me a month ago, aren't going to see the stuff that I posted a year ago. They're going to have no idea. I, I ever made it, you know? Um, but yeah, Twitter is definitely more of a, like ephemeral platform, you know, people just see what's there and then they move on, forget about it. And then, and that's what they want. Yeah. That's what they want. That's what it's for. It's like a conversation. More dopamine quicker. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I got to the point now on my Instagram where sometimes I get on there and it's ad suggested posts, ad suggested posts, ad. I'm like, what are my friends doing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, that's what it is. It's like these platforms are just funnels for our attention. It's like they figured out how to get us to look at something infinitely and then they just throw ads on it. What was you know? the uh, Netflix documentary that came out? Um, oh, yeah. The Social Effect or what was it? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. that so, Whatever that was. Social Dilemma they, maybe? The Social Dilemma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's like it was interesting watching that because um, – yeah, Alan wrote it. It's interesting watching that because I had sort of felt a lot of that stuff vaguely, but I couldn't articulate what it was. Yeah. But seeing that documentary was like, oh. I could have just watched the guy at like in like his command center when he's like, <laughs> oh, we grabbed him. We grabbed him. And I'm like, now every time I go in, I'm like, they grabbed me. Yeah. Same. They grabbed me. And now I'm, I'm like, here for Ugh. 20 minutes. <laughs> same. No, sometimes me and Audrey, Audrey's my fiance. Sometimes we'll just be sitting on the couch and, you know, she sent me a reel and then I send her a reel. And then just like, like 20 minutes later, we snap out of it. We're like, holy shit. Like, damn it. Where were we? They got us. <laughs> like, they pulled us in. <laughs> we fell for it again. We just were we gonna eat dinner? <laughs> yeah, we have somewhere to go, <laughs> dude. It's like a drug. It's crazy. It's like, and then I bought this thing from a targeted ad, yeah, and I don't exactly. need another pair of shoes. <laughs> oh my god! It's seriously, it's like it's like a drug, and they just trick you into buying <laughs> shit you don't need. <laughs> Man, but that's what it is, right? It is what it is, and, <laughs> that's and you what know, it all is now. Anywhere it is. Ads, it is. Ads, but there is. Ads. I mean, if you, I think that the Twitter part that you said earlier is like. It seemed like almost like it's almost like intimidating when you first get on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and like you wonder, like, how do I get through the crap? Because they start yeah. suggesting posts to you. And I'm sure their algorithms gotten different over the years. But right now, in my opinion, the Twitter algorithm is how can I reinforce your current beliefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. So like if I like Gavin, then, you know, they may show me artworks that look like you. People that have used your work before uh, and all this kind of stuff, which I'm not a fan of. So I deliberately try to avoid that because my goal on is to find the objective truth. Yeah. Right. Good for you. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to do though. I mean, it's easy to say you're going to do. Yeah. Um, No, it is hard to do. And even if you do, you know, space it out some way, it's like, you're still just going to be shown stuff that you're following. So you really have to make an effort to, to discover stuff that's not in your, in your bubble, you know? Yeah. You have to find like almost like where where's like my list of devil's advocates here? Yeah, <laughs> to like exactly. My views. No, you got it. You know, to have some kind of variety and just get some kind of differing opinions. Um, there's a great TED talk about that. It's from like I want to say ten years ago, but now it's probably twenty years ago. But the, <laughs> there's a TED talk, and it's it's about I think it's called "Be Aware of Online Filter Bubbles" or something like that. Yeah, but it's about exactly that. About how like you know when you go on Facebook or you go on Google, it shows you stuff that it thinks you're going to like and click on and look at. So it can sell you ads that are, you're likely to look at and click on. So, and it works pretty well. And, and it works and, well, but then the and then you become is, aware of it, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, then the downside of that is like you're just stuck in an echo, in an echo chamber. You know, yeah. you don't get an objective view anymore, even in just search results. Yeah, you know, you do a Google search and it, it doesn't show you objective stuff. No, not at all. That's I've been using Brave for a while now, and just I, don't, oh, I feel like I'm doing a better job, <laughs> just because it has like blocks a lot of trackers and stuff like that. And cool, you know, I'm earning cryptocurrency. BAT oh, why right. you why you browse and then nice. I give that to creators right you can oh, cool. you can give it off to creators it's kind that's of cool. cool I'll have to look into it. I didn't know about brave I did want to double click on one thing you said you lived in Japan for how long oh yeah I was there for a little over two years and what years was that um 20 it was like mid 2013 to mid 2015 okay so we're thinking did were you hearing about cryptocurrency while you were in Japan yeah I tried to buy Bitcoin when it was at 400. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. It was like, <laughs> it was so complicated. I was like in another country. I had to like, you know, I was using yen. And like, <laughs> I remember having to download like the blockchain onto my computer or something. Like I downloaded a Bitcoin wallet and it was like, now you have to download the blockchain. It was like a three gigabyte file. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I couldn't figure out how to use an exchange. And I was in Japan. So I couldn't do it. Um, but I wish I had. It would have been nice to buy a... To buy Bitcoin when it was four hundred dollars. Yes, but, and not but I, spend it on I drugs. Did. I had a lot yeah. of friends who just spent it on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I had friends who did that too. Yeah, I was in yeah. law school in like from two thousand nine to two thousand twelve, yeah. and like so, like Bitcoin came like right in my last year of law school, and like yeah. there were definitely some people that were like having fun weekends that were now million dollar weekends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard stories of that. I think I saw a Twitter post the other day that was like. All my friends who were buying weed on the dark web in like, you know, 10 years ago, they've all retired. <laughs> they have like a little bit of Bitcoin left that they forgot about. And that was worth millions of dollars. So what yeah. what did you take out of your experience in Japan? I guess like kind of what prompted you to go there? And then, you know, do you see that reflected oh, in your man. work now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so I first went to Japan because our buddy Josh uh, was studying abroad in Japan. Oh, cool. And this is, I was in college um, and he was like, buddy, I live in Japan. Like, come visit me. I was like, okay, sure. So it sounds I, exactly like Josh, by the way, buddy, yeah. buddy, I live buddy, in Japan. <laughs> buddy, buddy, I'm in Japan. But I was like, nice, <laughs> nice buddy. Um, but yeah, so he was in Japan and he was like, dude, you should come over and visit Japan. So I found, um, you know, I had like a break, uh, you know, some school break. And I went to Japan for 10 days to visit Josh. It was, um, it was my first trip. That was like totally on my own that I like didn't go with my parents. I think it was my, yeah, my first international trip where I was totally on my own. Um, and I just like fell in love with the country. I thought it was so cool. And I was like, one day I'm going to live here. I'm going to, I'm going to make it my goal to like live in Japan for some period of time one day. Um, and yeah, that's so I, I came back, you know, I, I moved over there. Um, but yeah, I, I first went on a, on a student visa. So I, I had to take uh, three hours of Japanese class a day and then I would go home and I, I'd work from home on my computer. Um, and that's the first year is really intense. And then the second year I got hired at a Japanese company. Um, nice. and yeah, no, Japan definitely shows up in my work. Cause when I was first trying to figure out like my style, like I'd been, you know, a motion designer for 10 years. So I, I had all these skills and I've made a million things for other people, but I never really like made my own personal work. So when I was trying to figure out what my style would be, I was like, well, what do I like? What am I good at? You know, I was I, I was better at like 3D rendering and animation and stuff. And I liked, I love, you know, Japan and Japanese architecture and Japanese aesthetic. And I really love penguins too. 
just like I'd always loved them since I was a kid. They always kind of showed, there you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, they always showed up in my work in some way or another. Um, so my first work, um, you know, it's on Instagram all the way at the end. It's just like trying to mix that stuff and just seeing if there was something interesting. Um, and I just sort of kept going with it, you know, um, and yeah, it kind of evolved from there. You know, I was always afraid of doing my own personal work because I was afraid of like committing to like, here's my personal work. And like, oh, what if it's not good? And then I just, you know, I said, let me just start with something and then sort of go from there. Um, and then, you know, those explorations evolved into animations and then those evolved into the flamingo stuff. Um, Cause I started doing concert visuals for Young Bay flamingos. And then that was a whole year of my work and style and everything. And then I went back to penguins uh, to explore that again. Um, but yeah, man, no, Japan definitely had a big influence on me for sure. Um, I love, I love the place. I want to go back really badly. I haven't been back since, um, since I moved back here, which was 2015. So sounds like we had to take the Fleming gang to Japan. Oh yeah. I'm dying to go. If you need an excuse, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll find like a marathon I can run there. I've been wanting yeah, to run dude. the Osaka marathon. Dude, I ran Osaka. I ran the Did Osaka you? marathon. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> dude, I ran Paris and I ran Osaka. So I ran Paris because I was like, I was doing martial arts and I was running as just like conditioning. And I was yeah. like, I bet I could do a marathon. <laughs> so I signed up for the Paris marathon, which was like a year after that point. And um, I trained and trained. And then like at uh, some point before, a few months before the marathon, I hurt my leg and I had to like stop training for a while. And then by the time I could run again, it was like a month before the marathon. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I was like, well, I already... I already paid for it. Let me just try it anyway. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'll just go as far as I can and then I can walk the rest, you know? So I, I ran like the first 5k and then kind of like ran and walked and ran and walked. And then by the midway point, I was just walking the whole thing. And I went to check my, um, my finish line camera at yeah. the end on the website. And I type in my name, you know, all these pages of names and I go to my page and there's only three names on the page. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm on the last page. <laughs> <laughs> of all the runners. So I got third to last place in the Paris marathon. So in my, in the video, I wish I'd saved this in the video. I look, it's me hobbling and there are like two old ladies hobbling. <laughs> and then behind me is all the workers like throwing the gates into the truck. They're like, <laughs> they're just like packing it up. Yeah. It was awful. It was like, I think my finish time was like... The only thing that would have made it better is you on a walker. Just yeah, basically. <laughs> Might as well have been there. But yeah, everything was packed up. Last kilometer, there were cars driving around and everything. Uh, it was awful. I think my time was around seven hours. It's pretty bad. Hey, at least uh, they kept the gates up for you. Uh, <laughs> I think they closed a lot of marathons before that. Yeah. Oh my God, it was terrible. Anyway, uh, so then I was like, I didn't train right. Let me train and I'll do Osaka Marathon. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just... I guess I learned mm -hmm. I don't really like long distance running, not for me. So I tried training. I got up to like seven mile runs and I was like, fuck it, here, here we go. Let's just try it. <laughs> Did not do great. I think that was like a six hour marathon or something. It kind of pushes but you. I mean, I, I so you, yeah. over the past year or so I ran a few marathons. I yeah, just started you, running. You run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I start, I, I, I guess it's, I, I view it as a strength because my legs don't have yeah. the wear and tear of lifetime runners. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, I played sports go. in high school, but like, you know, I'm like, okay, my hips are in good shape. My knees are in good shape. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and I like, I went to the half marathon and then I had to make the decision. Do I go further 
Mm-hmm. Do I go into the full marathon or do I get like a Spartan race or, mm. you know, something like that or, or a half Ironman or something like sure. that. And I was like, you know what? The reason I started running was I had kids or I had a kid first. I, can't, mm-hmm. I didn't have twins or anything. And I was like, I got to get in shape, man. Like I'm going to have to keep up with them. <laughs> what is the least amount of friction between me and getting in shape? And I was like, yeah, on a pair of shoes and going running. Yeah. And, and I did that. And then I was like, you know what, if I do any of these other things, I'm gonna have to do all other kinds of training. I'm just yeah. going to go for the marathon. Yeah. So I started to love the marathons, but then I had a second kid and I told my wife, I was like, all right, I'm going to take a year off for marathons because <laughs> it, it takes eight to 10 hours a week of training. It probably. takes a lot. Takes I mean, lot. if you're including, like, <laughs> if you're driving to where you're running, to your stretching, to your cool down, to, you know, the longer showers that you tend to mm-hmm. take after a long run, like it takes a while. But it is in this yeah, year year of doing half marathons. I'm like, you know, I mean, you have to train. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying mm-hmm. like 13 miles is nothing, um, but you don't necessarily have to do 13 weeks of training. Sure. Right. Like once yeah. you've run it. So it's just like it's almost like it's a little bit more or a little bit less formal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You can still get it. But that's a, just a quick aside for our runners. Yeah, it's like a bit more manageable for, to do yeah. it. Maybe my first NFT collection will be for runners. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like a runner app or something? A runner NFT yes. thing? Uh, Steppin. Steppin. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. I, cu- I tried to get in. I couldn't even figure it out. Like, I, yeah. I was like, how do I join? Like, I just yeah. want to join. Like, if you're going to pay me to run, I don't care if you pay me nothing because I'm getting paid nothing right now. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Give me your crypto. I'll take it. That's funny. But I do. I want to take a step back uh, when you were yeah, talking totally. about... Um, because the goal of this podcast is to educate, right? Sure. And, and have good good discussions. Yeah. So, like, you you said uh, when it comes to animation, I was good at 3D rendering yeah. and motion design. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what if you were to view, like, uh, kind of like a diagram of mm-hmm. animation, what are the different areas of animation that one would oh, be good at? That's interesting. So, yeah. I guess in the, context, in the context of, like, what I meant, was sort of in the whole, cause I was like a 3D generalist, you know? Okay. So I would do like a little of everything kind of. So there's some compositing stuff, there's 2D animation, there's type animation, there's, uh, you know, 3D, there's the whole world of 3D stuff. There are people who do just the animation in 3D and then there are people who like focus on the rendering or the, you know, they're, they're all a lot of different aspects. So um, yeah, I found what I was strong at and what I liked making and had fun with was the, the 3D stuff basically like making some kind of 3D scene, making it look really nice, lighting it and texturing it, and, um, you know, coming up with some concept and animating it in 3D. Um, I found that was sort of my strength. Um, there as was opposed still, to what? As what opposed would... to like, um, for example, like DK, DK and I have worked together a few times at okay. some of the same studios and like he's really good at 2D stuff. Like he's a master like 2D animator. Like that's what he gets hired for. Oh, interesting. You know, so I can do 2D stuff and I've done it on a lot of gigs, but mm-hmm. um, I think I'm stronger at 3D stuff. So are most video games 2D um, or is it just very, it depends. I mean, like trying like, to think like Mario was 2D. Like Mario is like a 2D thing. Like yeah. 2D. Cause that's the vibe I get from DK's work. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah Mario's 2D. There are a bunch of 2D games these days. A lot of games are 3D, you know, it's like gears of war and halo and all that stuff. That's all 3D. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's a whole range of, of styles and skill sets in that world. Um, but yeah, so I was just sort of trying to gravitate towards what I had the most fun with and what I, I knew I could do well and what um, 
what I like doing, you know, what I had fun with. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What yeah. about the music? I mean, you've always had, sure. I don't know if you make your, I know you've, you've done some collaborations with sure. artists like Young Bay, yeah, but yeah. I know you always have catchy music. In yeah. fact, uh, some of the catchiest music might be from a game called Squares 2, uh, <laughs> which we'll link to in the show notes. So sure. because Talk about you need too. another game to be addicted to. Yeah, but right. how did, the, how did the music come about? You, you were making that music yourself. Yeah. Um, no. So the music, let's see. Back in the beginning when I was just doing stuff on Instagram, like mm-hmm. I would just always be listening to music and I really like upbeat kind of like disco dance kind of vibes, just like funky stuff. Um, and I would always have music in mind whenever I'm making my work. Um, in the beginning, like the idea was like this whole s- series, like my entirety of my body work would be like a series of um, like concert visuals, basically, you know? So if you're at a club or something and there's great music, like there's stuff to go along with it that's different and interesting and fun and just makes you feel good. And, uh, so music's always been a part of it. It's always been like the harmony between these visuals and this just really fun music. So in the beginning, I was just putting music that I found on Spotify, you know, cause it's just Instagram. I'm just posting it. Yeah. Um, you weren't actually and, profiting from it. So yeah, exactly. And then when it was like, okay, I'm selling these as NFTs, I need another solution. So I found, um, the, the best way there's a site called audio jungle and you can just buy royalty free music. Uh-huh. So you can just go through like thousands of tracks until you find something that you want. So that's kind of been the way that I've done it. Um, I'll just put in a bunch of, you know, descriptors for the kind of stuff I think would fit a certain piece. Um, mm-hmm. and then just browse through for hours until I find something that works. Um, and then just buy a license to use it. That's it. So did you ever go a step further because you liked an artist so much and be like, Hey, I've used a lot of your music through audio jungle. I'm considering it. I'm considering it. I do have this anxiety of like going back and forth with someone. And it's like, what if they don't do what I have in mind? You know, what if, what if it's not right? And I'm just like going back and forth and waste their time. And then I'm not really sure what I want. So for now I've just been sort of looking until I find something where it clicks, you know, cause then I'm not wasting anyone's time. Um, but I do like the idea of having somebody build something like totally bespoke for, for a piece. Um, and I, I probably will eventually do it one day. Um, but yeah, so far I've, I've just been, you know, finding stuff that I liked. It's interesting. It's almost like, as I listen to your whole story here, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see like the confidence build up, right? Sure. You're doing more and more stuff as you go along, which yeah. I mean, you could really, if you abstract that, say for anybody who's starting their own business, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, uh, when I st- first started this podcast, I was nervous. I mean, yeah. I have these conversations all the time, but like at the same time, now it's out there. Right? Yeah, exactly. Now it's on YouTube. Now it's yeah. on Spotify. Dude, that's nerve wracking. It is. That's nerve wracking. That's like a, a big part of like my personal anxiety as an artist and like that's been building, you know, it's like every time you put something out there, it's like people are looking at it and judging you and is like, going to flop, is it going to flop? And, <laughs> or is it, is it better than the last thing? Is he just doing the same thing? Is he pushing himself? Like, you know, and these are all, you know, things I, I put on myself really, cause I can't really know how other people are feeling, but I still, I still feel it. You know, there is a, a pressure to, to putting stuff out there and, you know, bearing your soul or whatever, you know, it's like, but you, it is, it's like, you're, I'm making something for me and then I'm showing people and it's like, are people going to give a shit or not? I don't know, you know, but 
It's, it's um, interesting though, because like it, it brings me to another big aspect of your work, something sure. that has always been fascinating to me, which is that it's all for you, a lot of your techniques, you open source them. Yeah, and yeah. You make them available. And in fact, you, do you teach them as well? Yeah, I have a bunch of tutorials on YouTube. Yeah, um, so you have a bunch of tutorials. What what prompted that? Um, was that just like your general mindset or was that just part of your brand you wanted to build? What? what yeah, no, I mean, that's it? just how I, I don't know, like I learned so much of what I did from just YouTube tutorials, you know, and then there are people like people who put out all their project files and, you know, so to me, it, it just sort of seemed like a no brainer. And I really like teaching people too. you know, I, I like, you know, helping people explaining stuff and it's fun to, you know, go over something with someone so you can get it. It's like, I don't know. I figured the least I could do would be to pay it forward and, and put some of my own techniques out there and stuff. Um, and, um, yeah. And then there, there's also like, uh, you know, the project files thing. I thought it'd be interesting to like, there's a something for everyone, which is a nifty gateway thing I did a while ago. And I thought it'd be interesting to like bring the community into it in some way so that they could participate too. So that was kind of like, okay, let's make a piece of art that anyone can sort of make their own version of and just see what happens, you know, why not? Um, I don't know. It just seemed more fun. It's like we're in a digital art phase of, of art right now where people are like getting it. They're like, Oh yeah, like this is art. If you will. Yeah. You know, so I want to do stuff that can only be done with digital art. You know, I want to do stuff where it's like you're, you're utilizing this tech to do something that you can't really do in other ways. So it's like, sure. I could, you know, make videos and sell editions and just churn out nifties, you know, and, but it's like, sure. You can churn out prints too. It's like, it's not different. So I, I, you know, that was bringing the crowd into it and bringing people's participation to it. It's just a way where you can really take advantage of the medium, you know, and say, Hey, what if we make this idea open source and then it can, it can spread and people can use it and they can do their own spin on it and they can share it with someone else and they can learn something. I don't know. It just seems like it's, um, it's just a fun way to kind of check all these boxes and, and help people learn and, and get more eyes on the work and have people participate. And this, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like a way to take advantage of the, of the tech to do something new and fun. Yeah. And it also like, it shows your ethos, right. Mm. But it also is consistent kind of with, I think, at least for me, the ethos that brought me into the space. Yeah. Right. Which is, I mean, I know uh, this is like a bad word to say now, but wag me, sure. you know, like, you know, it doesn't wag me doesn't mean we're all going to be rich necessarily. Sure. But what it does is it means like we all help each other out when we can. You yeah. Know? And, you know, it's just, and you've done that more so than I think a lot of artists that I can think of that are hugely successful. And, and as you start to describe your mindset when you share it, all I can think of is a differentiated way to build a community. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not a, a community with the idea of proliferating your work. Sure. It's a, it's a community with the idea of proliferating the work in general. Sure. And just so, proliferating knowledge too, because yeah. that's how a field advances. You know, it's like if, if everyone shared everything they learned and everyone could learn from that, it's like now the whole community gets smarter and better and like new things come out of this that you never could have seen before, you know? And also like people can do things better than I ever could. Like I, you know, there are a few of my project file tutorials I've shared and then I see the work people make and I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Like I never would have thought of that. And that to me is the most rewarding thing because then it's like, I 
help someone build something that's like way cooler than anything I could have made, you know? And it's like, then I feel like I actually am leaving some kind of legacy or leaving something behind that's helpful or, or leaving some kind of net positive other than just like selling my work. You know, it's like, I want to, I want to help in some way, you know, or, or share something or, um, you know, leave some kind of educational material because there's so many people who taught me, you know, that's interesting. What, who were your uh, biggest uh, teachers or mentors when you were first coming up? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, way back, like when I was at the onion learning motion design, like people was one of them, you know, wow. it's like, cause you know, not literally he personally taught me, but like you could go to his website and download his project files. Yeah. So it's like, he just puts it all out for free. So then you can see how this stuff is, is built from the ground up and just pick it apart and be like, Oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's how you do that. Like, Oh, I, I see. Like it's, and that's just how I learn. I learn from, I learn best from like examples of what's correct. Cause then I can be like, Oh, that's right. Okay. I see. And then you pick it apart. And like, that's how I learn anything. It's how I learn languages. Like it's, that's the best way for me to learn. So the fact that he was just giving away his project files was a godsend because, um, it's just like a treasure trove of, of information and, and educational material, you know? Was that unusual at the time? I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, usually people have the, the mindset of, of profiting off of whatever they can, you know, it's like people want to sell project files or people want to sell educational material. Um, and I don't know, I, I like the idea of education being free and accessible, you know, accessibility is a big part of my ethos too, I guess, like, um, I've been asked by a few, uh, different companies like to record instructional videos and release them on their platform. Like, Oh, record a series of, you know, and people can pay for your course. Um, and I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't necessarily feel like I need to make money off that. Like, hmm. you know, if I can make money off of, you know, people who want to collect my art or I can make money off of, you know, clients who need me to articulate some phone animation for them or something like then I don't need to also make money off of like teaching people something that I could teach them for free, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I feel like NFTs kind of funded that in a way too. Cause it's like, now it's like obviously a no brainer. Like, yeah, just put your material out there for free. Like let people learn from it. Like you don't need to make more from that. You don't need to charge people for a course on like how to do this looping thing. It's like, I'll just share it, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't think back then, I don't, you know, I don't think people were doing what people was doing where they were just giving their stuff away from free. It was pretty hard to find that. Um, but yeah, now it's, it's starting to, to change and become different. And, you know, there's a ton of material on YouTube for free, a ton of tutorials, a lot of really good content. Um, so yeah. We'll have to, uh, when I have you back, as yeah. I told you, kind of the goal of this is to build relationships and sure. ongoing discussions with my guests. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll go through like a live tutorial. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we could try to do that. Um, I wanted to kind of switch gears though a little bit. Yeah. And thanks for sharing all that. I, Definitely. I, there's one question I typically ask mm -hmm. um, every single guest, and it's really important for me to hear your answer because uh, the question is, how do you define Web3? Um, mm. And uh, the reason I think it's really important for you is because I feel like you onboarded the people that onboarded <laughs> and other people. You brought so many people into this space I brought a lot um, of people in, huh? that are near and dear to my heart. And now we're all friends and yeah. 
play Catan together and mm. you know, I'll get to meet you in person uh, yeah. in FT NYC. That's wild. We haven't met. That's crazy. Pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you define web three? Good question. Um, how do I define web three? Um, let's see. So I guess it felt like web web one was just like the internet. Here it is. There's content and you can look at it. And then web two sort of felt like, okay, now you can be a part of it and like add to that and post and share. And, you know, people can connect that, you know, it's like MySpace and social media and everything. I guess web three is like, I don't know. It's, it's like digital ownership, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, now you can own a digital asset and now you can, you, you don't, you don't have middlemen. I don't know. I'm, this isn't a very articulate answer. I'm not really sure. No, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's a pretty common answer to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, that that is, I mean, all of that is true, right? Yeah. And it's funny that, like, you, I imagine you didn't go research. No, this is know, just sort like, of what's what, coming to mind. How do I mind? answer yeah. Web3 questions? But just naturally, you're thinking in terms of what did I see on the internet in the 90s and early 2000s? Yeah. And then what it's, did I see in the, like, 2004 and on which you know which is like ugc right there's i guess yeah i guess it seems like the shift is now there's like personal ownership over over digital stuff you know you don't have to go through like you know if if OpenSea went down it's like you still have all your nfts and you can look at them on another platform it's like the stuff that's actually yours is yours and then that could be displayed through something else whereas like if facebook went down it's like you can't move your posts to another platform. It's like Facebook owns all that. You know, it's like Facebook. There, there's like institutions and organizations that have all your stuff, and you sort of pay to access it, I guess, or you can access it through them. But then with Web three, it seems like this. this it's, we're moving towards the shift where it's like digital stuff can be your own. I guess. I guess that's how I describe it. Is that how you explained it when you were onboarding Josh? <laughs> I think when I when I onboarded Josh, I was like, dude, this place called Nifty Gateway reached out to me. They said I can like sell my digital art. I think it's a scam. Do you want to look at it? You know the art world. And he was like, no, dude, like Kenny Sharp is on this, so it's probably legit. Kenny Sharp's like a you know, he's like a big graffiti artist, um, yeah. cool art. I just saw stuff outside of the building recently. Anyway. But he was like, No, it seems legit, so you should try it. And I was like, sure, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And then I'm I think, not selling it now. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I think he got into it, I think. Through that introduction, you know, I'm sure he did his own research and stuff too. But, you know, I was talking about my journey through it and what I was doing, and it was really cool. And then he what about was like, Jack? This is cool. Did you onboard Jack as well? I think I kind of did. Well, I mean, Jack's like an OG. He was doing Bitcoin in like 2016 and shit, and he had a, a GPU farm. He was mining all his stuff. Um, tell me about his, <laughs> he's a whole nother beast. And, he's a whole and for, beast. The, for the audience, this is Jack Ma, yeah. uh, Jack Mashka, the creator of. This cutie crypto beans right behind oh, yes. me. Um, um, awesome yeah, he's dude. a genius. He's an awesome dude. But yeah, so he knew about crypto stuff way before I did. But then I remember when I was getting into Nifty Gateway, I reached out to him and another friend who were who were into crypto before I was. I was like, guys, this like crypto platform is like they want to sell NFTs of my art. Like, you heard of that? Where <laughs> Jack's first response? He's like, couldn't you just like download the image and save it? Right click save. Yeah. <laughs> like that was his first response to it. I still have a screenshot of it. We laugh about that sometimes. 
Uh, oh, I was like, man. Yeah, I guess you could, but like it's digital ownership, I guess, in a way, because it's on the blockchain. It's like unique transaction. He's like, oh, yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I, have, I already have a title for the episode <clears throat> when I record with Jack. From right-click save to degen. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Seriously, man. But yeah, dude, no. So I don't think I onboarded Jack. I think I maybe I was one of the reasons his interest in like NFTs got rekindled or something. But um, But no, he's been in it way longer than I have. He was one of the original PFP or profile picture collections. Uh, I think his crypto beans were released in what January or February oh, yeah. twenty twenty one. Yep, they were very OG. Yeah, those are, yeah. those are sweet. I love not that quite collection. not quite CryptoPunks, not quite not quite kitties, but kiddies. I mean, in terms of and and then he also gave you the files, which was awesome. Yeah, that unlockable content. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He put a lot of love into 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 the beans. We OG beans. Yeah, you have man. a few Those beans, cool. don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah. I think they're beautiful. It's just I cool. love my it's beans. Cool. I love my bean collection. It's yeah. like a good balance. I've got like yeah. the two-headed bean. I've got the big eye bean. Yeah. I got the OG kind of plain bean. Yeah. It's like it's, OG stuff. It's really cool. That was made with love. Like, because, you know, I know Jack through motion design. So, like, I know him as a motion designer, animator. Um, so, like... You, you see that in that collection. You know, those are all like handmade. It's like really done with care. And it's like, it's good. It's good animation like from a motion design perspective. Um, but yeah, I love them. I think they're super cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, um, I always like to close with a, a future forward question. Um, sure. We kind of know how you participate in the space. We mm -hmm. know how you've introduced people to the space. Yeah. We got to uncover a lot of your ethos, which is pretty awesome. I've always been a big admirer of that. And I think that if, if that ethos survives, mm -hmm. uh, web three and every, everything that we're going through now in this bear market, like that mm -hmm. to me is more important. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I always, I actually tweeted out today. It was like, you know, thinking is greater than money, right? Like <laughs> yeah. let's, let's let people unlock their creative side. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I appreciate what you're doing there, but I would be really interested for someone with your history being being early. Uh, uh, how where do you see yourself in the next six to twelve months, and then five to ten years, and where do you see the space in those same time periods? Yeah, man, that's an interesting question. Um, myself, so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna keep making art. Like, I don't I don't know what else to do. It's like all I've done with my life. <laughs> like, you know, I don't it doesn't matter to me. It's like a bear market or it's like, I'm still just trying to make stuff, you know, um, that's what I do. So I want to just keep making stuff. I want to make stuff, um, that let's see, I want to try to make stuff that's much more like web three native. Um, I want to make stuff that like, as I was saying before, where I had an opportunity to like use the tech to articulate a new concept that you couldn't do with traditional art. Like I want to do more stuff like that. And I'm working on something now and I've been planning it for months and just trying to refine it and, and build it in the right way. And I've started over a million times, but I'm, I'm working on something where it's like the way that you collect the pieces and the way that what you can do with them, like will make someone understand what I'm trying to say with the work. Hmm. And that's, I don't want to give away too much cause I'm still refining it and everything. And I want to make sure it's, you know, it's in the right place before I start talking about it. But you know, we have such an opportunity with this as a new medium to tell stories and, and make people see new perspectives in ways that we couldn't do before. 
you know? So, you know, the, the Ethereum's like a, it's like, you know, NFT is like a, it's, it's a, it's code, you know, it's, it's like you can have instructions and interactions and all these things that you can do with this, you know, you make a game out of it practically. So it's like, I want to make stuff where by interacting with it, you let, you understand the artist statement, you know, and you understand what the piece is trying to say. And then over time, it'll just sort of reveal that and you'll be like, Oh, duh, like that's so cool. So I want to make more stuff like that. You know, I don't want to just keep cranking out editions, you know, like you can do that in the traditional art world. You just sell prints. Like I don't want to just sell prints. You know, I want to make something that's like web three native, you know, I want to make something that you couldn't do otherwise. So, um, that's what I'm working on now. So that'll, you know, take a while to get out, but, um, that's, that's sort of my goal is to do stuff that's more web free native, um, that uses, that uses NFTs as a, and the blockchain as a, as a medium in itself. Um, and yeah, as for where the space is going to be in years, man, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, our lives are always just becoming more and more digital and I don't see how over the long term, this stuff wouldn't continue to get adopted, you know? So in my view, I think it is always going to sort of keep growing. It's like the internet didn't slow down, you know, it's just like anything that lets people connect faster with each other is going to be where people go, you know? So if you can now finally like own something digitally, like that's going to be a concept that takes off because people are going to need that. People want that, you know, it's like people want to own shit. It's just like, that's how people are. It's like people, people want to own shit. People want to own shit. Let's be real. People want to own shit. No, it's just like people want stuff, you know, and they want to have something that's theirs. It's a very human concept. So I don't see why this wouldn't keep, you know, over years, decades rising and becoming the norm, unless there's some kind of massive technological collapse or something. And it's just like, there's too much and there's a breakdown and everything. Shattered. Then we're not even worried about our digital ownership. We're yeah. Then it's like surviving. Yeah. Then it's like we're <laughs> down to survival level, but who knows, man? I mean, the entire technological mainframe and all the systems stacked on top of each other. It's going to become a house of cards at some point and then people are going to forget how to do the original code. And we're, I don't know. It's, well, that's, that's for future generations. <laughs> I mean, we, we might be in that time, you know, once AI takes over and everything. Yeah, but, hopefully, but. hopefully not anytime soon. We'll <laughs> just let our kids' kids deal with that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. But anyway, yeah, so where's the space going to be in, in a decade or something? Um, I think it'll still be here, you know. Um, it's hard to say where it's going to where it's going to be or what it's going to be like. Like, I think there are probably always going to be cycles where people get really excited and then they're like, oh, no, it's too soon. And then it, you know, it sort of fades off, like kind of what's happening now. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I don't know, man, we'll see, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those double-edged swords where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a thing where because you can't regulate it, you get all these new freedoms out of it, but also because you can't regulate it, you get all these people who take advantage of people. So it, it's just going to be a learning experience for society and humanity to figure out how to use it. And you know, hopefully over time it'll, It'll balance itself out, but it'll probably be pretty tumultuous for a while as people figure it out and people get ripped off and, you know, people succumb to hype and people get scammed and, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff to look out for, but there's a lot of opportunities too. So we'll see. Hopefully it gets used for good, you know, <laughs> as much as it can be. <laughs>
Well, you're doing a lot to effectuate that side of it. So Thanks, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, man, I'll do what I can. You know? Cool, dude. I appreciate you hopping on. Um, yeah, dude, I'm going to make sure. On. Yeah. How, how can people get in touch with you? How can they see all the awesome work that you've done and learn from you? Yeah. Um, Twitter and Instagram are Shapiro 500. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think the best way to get like a whole introduction to everything is just my website, which is GavinShapiro.com. And that has all my art on it and it has client work that I've done. And then it also has, um, you know, links to the free project files and stuff. Um, and the, the VJ website that I have where you just go to the website and it just plays through all my stuff and you can change the BPM. So you can just throw it up in a, in a party, you know, at the nice. drop of a hat. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I might put it on my next party. There you go. I hope so. <laughs> all I those hope parties so. I throw now. Oh yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining Web3 with me. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review, as it'll help us reach more people. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at offedge underscore. Thanks for vibing in the verse with me, and hope you'll join us next time.